During these Sundays of Lent, uh, Pastor Adam and I will be preaching a series of sermons on the creation text of Genesis 1. And we'll be considering the seven days of creation, the themes of Christian faith that arise from these stories, how to interpret a story like the creation, the relationship between religion and science, and what it means that God creates a natural world and calls it very good. And as we approach Holy Week and the crucifixion of Christ, these stories will also prepare us to ask what went wrong as we acknowledge the reality of evil in the world. At the 11 o'clock traditional service, as the Knox Choir and uh, Director Earl Rivers already began today, they will be offering selections of Haydn's creation oratorio throughout the series and a Wednesday evening adult faith formation class and dinner will also coincide with this theme for Lent. And that series begins this Wednesday at 6 p.m. We invite you all are welcome to join us. Now let us pray together. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last Sunday, if you were here, you know we celebrated our annual Youth Sunday, which is always a very special time here at Knox, when our youth, our young and old youth and children, lead us in our worship as they proclaim the scriptures, they lead us in music and in song, and our high school seniors offer the sermons for the day, sharing a message of how they experience God in their lives, and especially as they journey with all of us here as a faith community. One of the themes addressed by the seniors was the theme of hope. And I think of our seniors at this time, seniors in high school all over, this season of great hope for them as they prepare to end their high school career and think about what's next for their journey. With some excitement and probably trepidation, some will go off to college, some are still wondering where their path will lead them, but hopefully they are instilled with a sense of hope and great expectation. And I grieve this week with all of us the shooting that happened in Florida to high school students as we remember all the victims and all who love them. And I think about our own kids here and how going to school after incidents like this is never the same and how their hope might be shattered after the ongoing gun violence in our schools and on our streets. We want to protect our kids from harm and we cannot always. We want our kids to feel safe and secure, as we also do, and we may not always. We want to ask, where is God in all of this? And the answer to that in the face of such darkness never comes very easily or clearly to many of us. In our great joy, it's often easier to acknowledge God's presence and work. When our life feels well-ordered, we feel secure, there is lightness on our path, no darkness around. But for all of us in our life, that will not always be our reality from day to day. We will struggle, we will grieve losses and deaths, we will not feel safe. Our kids will be traumatized. And in that chaotic darkness, where is God? 
It's for a struggling community, a community experiencing days of great darkness and despair and hopelessness that the texts from Genesis 1 are addressed. As we consider the first chapter of Genesis, it's good to note some about its context and how it came to be. Though it's at the very beginning of our scriptures, it's not the oldest text in the Bible. It was written down somewhere in the 6th or 5th century BC to a community in exile. And that community was the Jews, the Israelites, who had been forced to leave all that they knew as home and now lived far away in a foreign land under the rule of the heavy-handed Babylon. I learn a lot from all of you. And one of our saints here at Knott's, Dusty Anderson, who recently died, whose life was celebrated just yesterday, he taught me something very important and helpful when I first arrived here. One day, leaving the sanctuary after worship, he paused and greeted, and he said, you know, everything in the Bible is true, and some of it happened. This has helped me greatly as we consider the many different genres in our Bible, and maybe it helps you too. And may we keep that in mind as we talk about Genesis, which talks about the origins of us, the origins of the world. And at the time it was written, there were many creation stories in the ancient Near East. All the civilizations were looking for meaning, as we still do today. And they created these stories, these mythical stories that that had truths about them. Well, the authors of Genesis transformed some of these stories from Egypt and Mesopotamia, and as our scholar Walter Brueggemann explains for us, they had a new purpose. They repurposed these stories. They created the creation story to address the experience of Israel. These authors were not interested in historical accuracy, They did not write a history book. They were not interested in the scientific way that everything came into being. But they wrote, rather, to bring to their audience themselves and their fellow people in exile the important truths about the human predicament they experience, predicaments that still exist today. So their story is really a faith statement. And it's meant to be proclaimed like the good news of the gospel, in the very beginning of our scripture is a proclamation of good news about our God. And thanks to those in those dark times of exile and chaos, we get to learn about life in that time and God's plans for us. Under their life and rule of Babylon, the Jews were exposed to other, many lesser gods the gods of the Babylonian people who did not worship or even know or acknowledge their one true God, the God of Israel, Yahweh. Our creation story in Genesis, as we know, serves to refute the theology of those gods of Babylon, the gods who were violent and tyrannical, who seemed for the exiled Israelites to have won the battle to have defeated the dreams of their God of Israel. So this is a people that desperately needed hope. They understood themselves to be a God who makes covenant, a God who says, I am your God and you are my people, and together we will live. 
And now all of that truth is threatened. They need to know what's true again, that God is still God, that God is still watching over them and all creation and is ever at work laboring to bring well-being into the world. So this origin story for those despairing exiles declares loudly who their God is for all the world. Again, they didn't care how the world came into being, but they cared about God's intention in bringing it into being. This is a God in their experience who truly cared about creation, who makes promises and covenants, and comes into partnership with us. So they needed to proclaim this news out loud. And as we look at the structure of Genesis 1, even these first five verses, we see that this is poetry. It is liturgy, much like we do every Sunday here in our song, in our prayers. We sing, we proclaim. It's meant to be done so out loud. With each day of creation, the movement repeats like a refrain of praise or a doxology, as we call it. It goes like this. And God said, let it be. And so it was. And God saw that it was good. Then there was evening, there was morning. And then the hymn repeats for every day of creation. The order of this poetry, the creation brought forth by God, simply because God delights in doing so, delights to be in relationship with all creation, this poetry served to bring order and light and hope into the dark chaos of the world of the Israelites at that time. And it can serve that for us today. When we find ourselves in our own exiles, our own wilderness times, our own darkness. We see from our scripture today in Genesis that there is no room for an image of God that many modern Christian circles have today of a coercive God or a tyrannical or mean God. The text shows us that unlike the gods of Babylon, the God of Israel, the God of us, is a God who creates. Creation cannot come forth out of oppression and tyranny and coercion. That kind of lesser God can never create, but can only tear down in body, mind, and spirit. So what kind of power is necessary to bring forth creation? The power of grace. And this is the power of our God we see here. The God who spoke simply, let it be. Not with demanding, not with commanding, but with invitation for creation to come forth. This is the God of grace, who enters into mutual relationship of giving and receiving. In verse 2, we see that at the very beginning, the Spirit of God was already there, hovering over the dark, deep chaos, ready to breathe the breath of life to create at the utterance of God's word of invitation. And it's that same Spirit of God that meets Jesus again today in the Gospel story. In a sermon I preached last month, we explored this same passage from Mark, the baptism of Jesus. 
where Jesus is now being prepared to begin his public ministry. And we noted them that we noted then that as Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, the sky opened and the Holy Spirit of God, like a dove, descended upon him and remained there. Now the next move for this dove of the Spirit for Jesus, we are told in the passage, is to drive him into the wilderness where he will be tested, where he will fast and pray and endure temptation and feel real hunger, real weakness, where no doubt he will wrestle with doubt and despair and many questions as God continues to reveal to him what his mission here on earth is. And little by little, Jesus is coming to understand this is no easy calling. He might feel some resistance, at the same time obedience to his God. But he knows this is not easy. Will he have the ability to carry it out? Will he have the ability to carry on at all? This is often our experience in our own wilderness times, when we cannot see the light at the end or know how long that season will last for us. Jesus goes before us to show us the way through the wilderness. I've shared before that images really help me in my prayer life and help me to learn like the image of the dove resting on my shoulder, the dove that remains on Jesus, remains on us. And that helps me to remember we're never without that spirit. Another pastor offers a helpful image for the spirit today. If you remember the far side cartoons where animals are doing ordinary human things like eating and talking and smoking cigarettes, telling jokes, driving cars, well, imagine the dove of God's Holy Spirit in the actual driver's seat of a car, wings on the wheel, driving Jesus into the wilderness, as the text tells us. This dove is with Jesus, escorting him, his faithful companion, driving him in and through the wilderness, never leaving him alone during those challenging, often lonely, surely dark places that even God's beloved son Jesus endured. And it's only through these times in the wilderness, escorted by that dove, these places of learning, that we grow in wisdom and understanding and compassion that prepares us for the next stage of our journey. Just as God's son Jesus was called, so are we. Just as the Israelites knew very well this time of testing and trial and their own challenge, so will we. One of the seniors last week in youth, on Youth Sunday shared her thought on brokenness. She has learned on her faith journey with all of us and in youth group and in life and from her own experience with brokenness that she has learned to look for and find the broken and then to ask, what can I do to help? When we know brokenness, we can see brokenness and then we can be of service. Jesus knew the dark, the testing, the temptation to choose lesser gods than God's higher good. And Jesus came out with a new knowing 
a new understanding. And that spirit led him into the light of day, as that spirit will lead us to. Whatever our present darkness, the God who created is ever laboring to recreate and to transform us in that darkness and see us through. We see in the creation story the refrain, there was evening and there was morning. So each day of creation begins in the dark of night. There is not nothing going on there in that dark and disordered time. In the darkness, God was laboring for creation, creating order to bring forth light and new. And what is the first thing that God created? On that first day, God gave us light. Light to illumine God's path of life for all creation. Jesus emerged from those 40 days in the wilderness with more wisdom and grace. He emerged as a new creation into the light of the new day, prepared and ready to proclaim the good news of the new age at hand. And he understood more now that it was in and through him that the realm of God had come near, right there in his time and place, and as in ours here on earth. Repent, he said, and believe the good news. Repentance is a theme of our Lenten journey in the life of the church together. And repentance does not mean to look in the mirror and see how awful and flawed we are, to feel guilt and shame. That part is never God's will. But Lent is a time to pause and reflect, how am I doing on my journey as a disciple of Christ? How am I doing as a follower of Jesus? And repent means to turn around or turn again to face God. God has joy for us as we see in the whole creation story. All creation rejoices in its existence. And it's this joy that God wants us to know as soon as possible. And I know when I repent and turn to face God, then again I can see and hear and am open to the path of light and life that God shows us through the life of Jesus. The dove of the Spirit remains with us still. That dove is driving us around, escorting us as our guide through every disorder and order, through our chaos and our calm, through our dark nights, and into the light of every new dawn. Those darker places, when we think of Psalm 23, the psalmist sings, even though I walk through the darkest valley or the valley of the shadow of death. But the key word is walk through. We never remain there because God is with us, guiding us and journeying with us through and into the new day to the other side. Friends, may this give us courage that no matter how whole or broken we feel today, whether we're in the deep dark or the new light, a season of consolation or desolation, during this Lenten journey, these 40 days of following Jesus, we follow Jesus from darkness to dawn. We follow Jesus who teaches us the true path 
of loving in life, how to die to ourselves that we and everyone else might truly live. God created, and all that God created, God saw that it was good. And the Hebrew meaning of this word good is excellent, beautiful, of the highest quality. God approves of everything that lives and breathes, and that includes us. May this give us great peace and hope as together we journey to Holy Week, to Good Friday, and to Easter. Thanks be to God. Amen.